Oklahoma football moves to 8-1 on the season. Basketball moves to 2-0 on the season. Big weekend for Sooner Sports. Also just a couple days away now from the second revealing of the college football playoffs. Sure to be a shakeup there with two of the top four going down over the weekend. That means, as usual, we've got a lot to talk about. What's up, everybody? I'm Matt Hofeld. This is the Sooner Nation podcast. And I uh, just want to say, just start off by saying thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Uh, whether you catch us on Apple Podcasts or whether you catch us at Heartland Sports or on, um, you know, whatever your Spotify, you know, iHeartRadio, however you get us, we want to say thanks. Um, so let's jump into this and let's talk about Oklahoma, Iowa State. Here's an idea, Oklahoma fans. Let's beg for night games. Let's say we are unjustly given so many 11 a.m. kickoffs for the status of our program that it really is an indicator of bias and just not fair. So let's beg. Let's plead. Let's gripe. Let's complain as much as we can to shake the bushes and talk about how unfair it is. And then when we finally get gifted a nighttime atmosphere game. Let's leave it at halftime. Let's make it look as bad as possible from the stands. Let's make it look like Oklahoma State in the third quarter. Come on, are you serious about this right now? I get it. Everybody, I mean, look, Oklahoma, you you win the game, but if you go to social media, if you look at what the comments are, you would have thought Oklahoma lost. You would have thought Oklahoma lost, by the way. The fans are commenting, by the way. You know, people are arguing on Twitter. There, there's actually a movement, and I, it's a very small movement, mind you, but there is a movement. More than one people, when like people, more than one person, when multiple people begin to tweet about this and agree with one another, I call it a movement. There is a minor movement out there for Lincoln Riley to get fired. This is coming from a fan base that can't even stay through the third quarter because, oh, it's kind of cold. Oh, we're winning by so much. Well, guess what? Fourth quarter rolls around, and that team sure could have used a raucous crowd. They sure could have used some crowd noise. I'm not blaming what Oklahoma's on-the-field performance. I'm not blaming what they did on what took place in the stands. But what I am saying, what what more, more so what didn't take place in the stands – was embarrassing. We we talk about the pride of being a Sooner. We talk about the pride of winning four consecutive conference championships. We talk about the pride of making the playoff back-to-back Heisman trophies. We make fun of Texas. We make fun of Oklahoma State because they want to be Oklahoma. I mean, let's just let, let's not even tease about that. Let's be serious. Texas wants to be Oklahoma. Oklahoma State wants to be Oklahoma. Now, they're not going to come out and admit it, but you look at their actions, you look at what they do, they are wanting to be who Oklahoma is. There's nine other schools in this conference that would love to have the record that Oklahoma has. Sure, they're going to gripe and they're, they're going to make fun of, of the Sooners dropping in the first round of the playoffs, but you know what? They've never been to the playoffs. They'd love to have a conference championship. There's others, I mean, there, there's there's other schools out there that would love to have a chance to be in the playoff. They want to be Oklahoma. And what do we do as fans? Man, we have fun with that because that's our team that they're jealous of. 
And we talk about, well, you guys can't even sell out your stadium. You guys can't even fill your stadium. And we know there's, we know full and well there's a big difference between a sellout and a full stadium. And while that atmosphere may have been electric before kickoff with the Army paratroopers coming down onto the field and the salute to the armed forces, it was a morgue in the third quarter. And it was embarrassing in the fourth quarter. As embarrassing what happened on the field was, what wasn't happening in the fans was e- in the stands was equally embarrassing. Sure, Oklahoma went flat in the second half, but you know what? So did the stands. Oklahoma's defense has regressed. I don't think you can watch Kansas State and watch Oklahoma against Iowa State and not know, not understand, not feel like this defense has regressed. They have. I think the coaches have admitted to that. I think the players have admitted to that. I think everyone's frustrated with it. This team is missing. And and a guy that really, when you when you we did all the preseason talk, and you know, you're naming the guys on the defense who have to have big games, who have to step up and really be a, a player uh, on this defense. We, we mentioned guys like uh, you know we, we mentioned. Guys like Kenneth Murray. We mentioned guys like Neville Gallimore. We mentioned guys like, you know, Bookie. We, we mentioned guys. We mentioned those guys. But you know who this defense is missing? This defense is missing John Michael Terry. And they're not getting him back. He's done for the season. He would have he, he, he made a difference. He would have made a difference big time. But he's out for the season. And Oklahoma has to figure some things out within his absence. Kenneth Mann going down absolutely didn't help things. Made the matters worse. You look at the defensive performance before Kenneth Mann going down. Yeah, they weren't perfect, but they were a lot better than the defensive performance after Kenneth Mann went down. And you see a big difference. What we're seeing now with this defense is we're seeing the lack of depth. We're seeing the lack of depth with this defense. We're seeing how attrition has hit them. And right now, it's not a big, it's not a big, big, big recruiting class as far as the defense side of the ball is for 2020. But maybe that might change a little bit as the, as the coaches begin to evaluate what's going on and so forth. But this defense has regressed. Teams are figuring out a way. Kansas State kind of did something with some of their blocking schemes and the way they attacked this defense. They did something new, and Alex Grinch has to figure it out. And not only does he have to figure out how to prevent this from happening again, it's happened two games in a row now, but not only does he have to prevent what Kansas State, the blueprint that the the Wildcats put out there, he's got to prevent all the little wrinkles that come off of that. So it's not as simple as Joe Fan would think of just putting this guy in that place and stopping it. And right now for this defense, it's all about pressure. It's all about pressure, and they have 100% buckled under pressure. They buckled in the third quarter in Manhattan. They buckled in the fourth quarter in Norman. And the offense isn't without fault here. But the defense has caved under the pressure. You remember we've we've talked again. I I feel like I say this phrase a lot, but it's truth because I want to jump back and and help make everything run together for you guys that listen to this podcast. And if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, one of the things that I've said since day one, since they fired Mike Stoops, you've got to change the attitude. You've got to change the mentality of this defense. 
Alex Grinch comes in. He works on that attitude change. He works on that that different mentality. But the question is not now. Now the question is not about the change mentality. It's not about a change attitude. It is what happens when you get punched right in the face. What happens when you take that body blow that just doubles you over and you can't breathe anymore? Can you get back up and keep fighting? What happens when you're no longer the aggressor? And those offenses begin to attack you. And and that's what they're doing. This is a speed defense that Alex Grinch has thrown together with the personnel that he had, and he has found limited success with it. But what Kansas State did, Kansas State said, you know what? Let's change it up. Let's not sit here and let them attack us. And that's where this where this defense takes advantage. That's where the advantage is for this defense is using the speed to attack the offense. Instead, Kansas State said, "Let's go attack them. Let let let's be the aggressor and not them." And Kansas State did it, and Iowa State did it. It cost them the game in Manhattan. It nearly cost them the game in Norman. But don't 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 lose sight of the fact. That these guys haven't quit. They're strong. I think we saw quit in them last year. I don't know that I'm willing to say we've seen that this year. I think we've seen them punch drunk more than anything else. But this is a defense that took its lumps, took the, took their lumps hard. But let's not lose sight of the fact that this is also a defense that that put up a goal line stand against Iowa State. To me, that's a turnover. You get a turnover on downs, that's a turnover. And I know it's not going to go in the stat book along those lines. I know this defense is really looking for their, what is it, like five games now? Yeah, I know they're looking for that turnover. But to me, turn it over on downs, that that's a turnover. This is uh, Parnell Motley. Uh, uh, listen, I, I've got some thoughts about that. I'm going to go into later on in this podcast about the about the interception on the two point conversion. But let's just say for right now that was a right place, right time play. Parnell Motley comes up with the ball, and what I mean, look at the enthusiasm. This isn't a defense that has quit. This isn't a defense that that's not playing with passion. And yeah, there's offensively, they're, they're limited. They're limited along the offensive line. Losing Adrian Ely didn't help. There's no update on that situation. We're, we're seeing that, that Jalen Hurts, for all that he is as far as a leader and that cool, calming, professional uh, appearance that he has on this team, he's clearly not Baker Mayfield. He's clearly not Kyler Murray. But this is a team that's 8-1 and one on the season. They're favored to go back to the Big 12 championship again. They're in the conversation, at least for one more week now, they're going to be in the conversation for the college football playoff. Lincoln Riley may be doing his best coaching job at Oklahoma yet. And if you're looking for a team that's quit, if you're looking for a a group of people who don't have passion, go to your DVR and look at the crowd in the third quarter. There's, There's the quitters. There's the people who lack, who, lack, who lack passion. And there's also a group of people who forfeited the right to complain for no more 11 a.m. kickoffs. 
Oklahoma travels to Waco, Texas next weekend for a game that is going to be huge right now. If you, I mean, the coaches polls out that is a top 10 matchup according to the coaches poll, almost a top 10 matchup according to the AP. We'll see what the college football playoff committee thinks about these two teams, but nonetheless, it is a huge game. College game day is going to be there. The question is, will you? Hey, I know where you can get some tickets. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for the events that you want to go to. You can store by price or you can look for seats in the section or row of your choice all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. It's called Vivid Seats Rewards. If you go to the App Store or Google Play and you download the Vivid Seats app, fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program today. And this is even better for you. When it's time to buy, new users can enter the promo code OVERTIME. That's O-V-E-R. T-I-M-E, and you enter that code at checkout, and you can receive a discount on your tickets for up to $100. You want to be a part of a big-time atmosphere? You want to see college game day? You want to cheer on the Sooners in Waco? Vivid seats. That's the way to go. So what does it mean to a college football fan base when winning no longer becomes fun? And if that's what you looked at, if that's the way – you looked at last night's game, that means we're clearly there. And according to social media, a lot of Oklahoma fans are there. When's the last time Oklahoma football won a game and fans called for the head coach to be fired? When's the last time Oklahoma football won a game and fans called for the backup quarterback to come into play? When's the last time Oklahoma football won a game and people began to question the play calls of an offensive genius? Well, if you're Oklahoma football fan, if you're a fan of Oklahoma football, then that that actually happens quite frequently. And here's the reason why: we're spoiled as fans of the sport. We're spoiled. We're spoiled with Big Twelve championships to the point of when of, of re, to the point of winning a Big Twelve championship. Eh, just doesn't mean that much anymore. We're spoiled to Heisman trophies win. Oh, Heisman, I can't even talk tonight. We're spoiled to Heisman trophy winners to the point that you got a great quarterback in Jalen Hurts, but he's not great, great like Kyler Murray was. He's not great, great like Baker Mayfield was. Is Jalen Hurts the best quarterback in the country? No, he's not. Is Jalen Hurts the Heisman Trophy frontrunner that he was a month ago? No, he's not. Is Jalen Hurts the worst quarterback in the Big 12? No. In fact, I would venture to make a really good argument that he's probably the best quarterback in the Big 12. But he's not Kyler Murray. He's not Baker Mayfield. So what do we get? We get social media complaints. We get radio call-in complaints about a team that's 8-1. and one. What we saw last night with Oklahoma scoring just seven points in the second half, with Oklahoma being outscored 20 to nothing in the fourth quarter, what we saw last night was more than just an incredible comeback by a very salty Iowa State football team who has lost now, lost four games this season by a combined 11 points. 
When you look at where this team ranks defensively and where they rank offensively nationally, you don't find another team in the Big 12 that compares to them. Let's stop acting like Oklahoma almost lost to Kansas. Let's stop acting like Oklahoma almost lost to West Virginia. And let's realize and, and admit what it was. Oklahoma struggled against a Iowa State team that is better than what their 5-4 and four record indicates. This is a team that, they're, I mean, they're not going to be in the Big 12 championship game. I don't think there's enough football left for their, their miracle scenario to work out for them. But this is a team that I preseason was so high on, I put them in the Big 12 championship game against Oklahoma. Now I can tell you, assuming Oklahoma makes it to the Big 12 championship game, I'm glad they're not going to be there. We've become spoiled to good football. In fact, we've become spoiled to great football. And we can't settle for good anymore. That's that's where we are right now as a fan base. And it's okay. It's okay to, to have those high expectations. It could be worse. We, we could be Texas A&M, who has the exact same expectations, if not higher, than Oklahoma does. Think about this. Oklahoma, we don't want to make the playoff. We want to win in the playoff. We don't want to win the Big 12. We want to get to win the Big 12 and go to the playoffs. We don't want to have a Heisman Trophy finalist. We want to have a Heisman Trophy winner. Texas A&M has the exact same expectations every season. But when's the last time Texas A&M won a conference championship? When's the last time Texas A&M made the college football playoff? The answer to those questions is never. We could be like the Texas Longhorns. Exact same. When you talk about expectations, Texas is right there with Oklahoma. They're coming off of a Sugar Bowl win. I heard that someone told me today. We're talking some. I got in a conversation today about Oklahoma and the big games. And, and the point I made was when you're constantly playing in the big games against the best teams in the nation, you're more apt to lose those games if you're not the best team. And the, what I threw out there was, when's the last time Texas won a big game? You know what the answer was? Well, we won the <laughs> we won the Sugar Bowl last year. Great. Oklahoma fan, are you willing to trade your conference championship trophy for the Sugar Bowl trophy? Are you, are you willing to trade your 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 place in a college football playoff the, amongst the four elite teams in the country? Are you willing to trade that so you can go to the Sugar Bowl and win? You know how I replied to that was? I said, you know, the last time Oklahoma had a season so bad that they wound up in the Sugar Bowl, they won it as well. Think about that. Joe Texas fan just heaping praise on his program because they won the Sugar Bowl. The last time Oklahoma had a season so bad that they ended up in the Sugar Bowl, yeah, they won it as well. But that's been a while. It's been three years. That shows you how spoiled we are as a fan base. 
So let's talk about what we've got on the field. Let's talk about the product that's there. And we'll start with the offense. And this will be short and sweet. Lincoln Riley, he's doing some work. Because his hands are tied just a little bit. Jalen Hurts, we knew this coming in. You give Jalen Hurts the time, he's going to pick you apart. Like any quarterback playing at this level would. I guess I should say just about any quarterback playing at this level. You give him time, he's going to eat you alive. He's got great tools. He, he, I mean, he, some of the best. How is, I mean, CeeDee Lamb. Can we talk about CeeDee Lamb and just say Blitnikoff? 167 yards, two touchdowns, average 20.9 yards per reception. Charleston Rambo with a very quiet night. How about Trajan Bridges? You know, he's supposed to be on the defensive side of the ball now, according to some rumors. He caught a touchdown pass. Jalen Hurts, if you give him time, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna eat you alive. But what we found out. And what Oklahoma's opponents have found out, you bring the pressure on Jalen Hurts. If you get to him, he is not mentally and physically at the same level of what we've seen out of Oklahoma quarterbacks the last three years. The last three years, the last two years of Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray last year, those guys were on a different level than Jalen Hurts is. And so that limits Lincoln Riley a little bit in what he can do. If you're an Oklahoma fan, you had to love the fact that Kennedy Brooks got 15 carries. 8.8 yards per carry against Iowa State. If you're an Oklahoma fan, you've got to be in love with that. Because it, it shows exactly what every Oklahoma fan had hoped it would show, is that going into the bye week, they realized that they had to make some adjustments with this offense. Now you gotta you gotta figure some things out. Because I don't know, I that Trey Sermon injury did not look good to me. The fact that there's no news on any of those guys, there's no news on Kenneth Mann, there's no news on Adrian Eady, there's no news on Trey Sermon. And let's be honest, Oklahoma's not great at releasing injury update news. But that didn't look good. So what do you do? You got to figure some same things out. I, you know where I'm going. I've always been since day one. I, I'm a huge fan of Ramondre Stevenson. I hate the fact that Trey Sermon got injured. And I hope it's nothing that's, uh, that's significant. But... If he's not playing, I'm I'm pretty excited about Ramondre Stevenson getting more touches. If Oklahoma sticks to this new interest in running the football. But here's the problem. By the way, Ramondre Stevenson won carry against Iowa State for 12 yards. Here's the problem if you're Lincoln Riley and the running game. It's the same problem if you're Lincoln Riley and getting pressure on your quarterback. We, we've talked about Jalen Hurts not being on par with Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts not being on par with Baker Mayfield, two of the best quarterbacks who have ever played for this university. So it's not really a slam if you're not on par with them. 
But you know what else isn't on par to the last couple of seasons? The offensive line. The offensive line is not this physical, dominating, punish you and embarrass you while we're punishing you offensive line that we have seen the past few seasons from the University of Oklahoma. And anybody that knows anything about football knows that your offensive and defensive game plans stem by what you're able to do up front. And if you're weak along the offensive line, if you're weak along the defensive line, you can change some things around. You can fix it. You can kind of hide it a little bit, but you can't be as effective as you could be if you're dominant up front. If you're dominant on the offensive line, if you're dominant on the defensive line, there are so many more, so many more, let's just say so many, much more, okay? There's so, there are so many things that you can do more if you can dominate up front. I, I questioned after Kansas State if Oklahoma is able to run between the tackles. The overall body of work is good for Oklahoma when you look at the offense. And I, I said this after Kansas State. You score into the 40s, you should put yourself in position to win. And that's exactly what Oklahoma did. 42 points. 499 yards, total yards of offense. 10.5 yards per pass attempt. 5.5 yards per rush attempt. This was not a bad offensive performance. But you just got some things trickled in there. You got two turnovers. You got a fumble from CeeDee Lamb. You got an interception from uh, thrown by Jalen Hurts. And those two things right there, those two things, two turnovers. Remember, go. let's go back to August. And Alex Grinch saying, if we get two turnovers a game, we're really going to be putting ourselves in position to win. Iowa State with two turnovers, two of the stars, two of the biggest guys who had the biggest nights, turned the ball over, and guess what? Iowa State in position to win. I had a conversation. I was watching that game, and, and the, the actual the way things were going offensively and defensively early in that game, and I, and I actually said this. I said, you know what, man, if I'm an Oklahoma fan and the game is on the line, I definitely want my offense on the field, not my defense. Well, that's Saturday night with the game on the line. It was Oklahoma's offense, excuse me, Oklahoma's defense on the field, and the offense is watching from the sidelines. And let's 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 be fair. Let's criticize this defense. Let's say there was poor tackling. Let's say there was bad angles. Let's say there was just some bad football played on the defensive side of the ball. Let's let's do all that. But let's also say the defense saved the day. Let's, let's also say the defense got a goal line stand. Let's also say that the defense got an interception on a two-point conversion. I, I don't, I mean, look, if you're if you're if you're like me, which I think most people are, and when I say like me, I mean kind of a, a rational, even kill type fan. I have zero confidence Oklahoma's gonna win that game. If Iowa State hits that two-point conversion, a little bit of time left on the clock. You've got a pretty good uh, field goal kicker, but can you get in range? I mean, all of the momentum was on the Iowa State sideline. And you you know how I feel about I've already shared my opinion on what happened in the stands. There's no crowd there 
By the way, those of you that did stay through the whole thing, kudos to you. But if Iowa State converts there, this game's over in my opinion. Back-to-back losses. Unprecedented for Oklahoma football. But it doesn't happen. And the reason it doesn't happen is because the defense came up with a play. When this team was reeling, when this team was against the ropes, when this team was one more punch away from being knocked out, it was the defense that made the play that saved the game. So let's criticize the defense. We're going to jump into that in just a minute. Let's criticize the defense. Let's talk about the things that they need to do better. And let's talk about the things that they need to stop doing in general. But while we're criticizing the defense, let's also at least point out the fact that the defense saved the day. Can we do that? By the slimmest of margins, Oklahoma is 1-0 in championship November. Our friends over at MyBookie had the Sooners as a 14-point favorite. I'm not for sure which side of that you were on, but if you listened to last week's uh, preview episode of the Sooner Nation podcast, you would have heard us say 14 points is too many. The Lions are not out for Oklahoma at Baylor, but they will be soon, and MyBookie is a place to get in on all the action. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little and win a lot, you should try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this coming week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. Of course, there's also props and futures and in-game betting all available as well. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway. What that means is whatever you match, they're going to half it all the way up to $1,000. Think about that. If you deposit $2,000, you're going to get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. All you got to do is enter the promo code OVERTIME to activate this offer. Once again, that's promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, and take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Okay, so if you look at the defensive side of the ball for Oklahoma, there's there's a lot of bad out there. We talked about the good, all right? We I don't know that I can go over that anymore. There is one more good thing I'm going to throw out there about this defense here in just a second, but we got to highlight the bad. 477 total yards of offense, 41 points giving, 282 yards in the air, 195 yards on the ground. Brock Purdy averaged 9.1 yards per pass attempt. Cyclones as a whole, 5.1 yards per rush attempt. Most glaringly absent in this box score for Oklahoma's defense, zero turnovers. Cyclones also won the time of possession, 32 minutes and 39 seconds to 27 minutes and 21 seconds. Now, there's a lot There's a lot of, of ways that you can go with this um, this defensive performance, but let me, let me just throw this out here at you. Four of 12 on third downs, not bad. Now, they gave up a huge, huge fourth down conversion that just made you pull your hair up and hair out and think, oh my gosh, I'm watching the 2019 defense suddenly. In fact, there's probably several times throughout this game where you thought, this is 2019 all over again. This is a really good offense and a really bad defense. 
And it may be the case. But I do think if you're going to compare this team to 2018, you there are more positives. I do think this defense is better than last year. I, I think we were maybe sold on how good they were too early in the season. I think we maybe, you know, I don't think you might try to pull wool over our eyes or anything like that, so to speak, and just say, this team's just not that good, but we're going to make them look good. I just think they got exposed a little bit. I, like I said, I, I think there's been a shift in the way teams play this defense. I think they've been so bad for so long that it took the first six, seven games of the season for teams you just think, yeah, this we can we can take advantage of this defense the same way we have in the years past. But that's not the case because of their attack mentality, because of the speed they're using to disrupt plays in the backfield, you have to come at them a different way. We've seen Kansas State do that, and now we've seen Iowa State do that. But we also need to point out also need to point out that the defense was put in a couple of bad spots off of two bad turnovers. If we, if we can look, I'm, I'm not excusing the defense. Okay. I'm not excusing what they did or what they didn't do. I guess if we're going to put it in those terms, but what I am saying, what I am saying is that we, 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 we got to at least admit, like I said, they, they came up with the big plays, right? They, they stopped Iowa State on fourth and goal. Parnell Motley comes up with the interception on the two-point conversion. So we're taking baby steps here, not excusing, but taking baby steps to explain. And I think we can also say, that the two turnovers didn't help. All right. When look, we're, we're talking about getting outscored 20 to nothing in the fourth quarter. When CeeDee Lamb turns the ball over in plus territory, and when Jalen Hurts throws an interception in plus territory, not only is that taking away an opportunity for your offense to score, this is an offense that scored 35 points in the first 30 minutes of the game. Iowa State did not make that many adjustments on the defensive side of the ball. They made some, but they didn't make enough adjustments to drop Oklahoma from scoring 35 to scoring 7. What they did do is they took advantage of turnovers. And that's not what Iowa State did. That's what Oklahoma did. Oklahoma turned the ball over. And when you turn the ball over, Obviously, you're taking it out of the, the offenses of the strength of this team. And I think for, for a, a while to come, the offense will be the strength of this team. And when you turn the ball over, you're taking the ball out of this. You're, you're giving up the strength of your team for, I mean, if you're not a strength, what are you? You're a weakness, the weaker part of the team. You put the defense in a bad spot. And I think if we can consider those things, yeah, they gave up points, 27 of them in the second half. But again, they were not helped by the offense. I, I love the fact that DTL had nine tackles last night with a pass defended. Deshaun White, huge game. 
Saturday night, nine tackles. Pat Fields, eight tackles. That second and third layer of the defense, they got they they had their struggles. Surely they did. But they had some big plays as well. I talked about Parnell Motley. We got to talk about DTL. We got to talk about Deshaun White. What is the problem here? What's missing from this equation? I think it's the same thing that we're talking about on the offensive side of the ball. It comes down to what you're able to do or what you're not able to do up front. And Oklahoma was not able to take advantage of guys like Neville Gallimore and Marquise Overton in the middle of that, of that line the way they had been able to do the first seven games of the season. That's where teams are starting to figure things out a little bit in facing this Oklahoma defense. And that is where Oklahoma's defense has to come up with some new wrinkles. They'd better be ready for Baylor. There's your no-dust statement for the week. Because I promise you, Baylor has watched Kansas State and they're watching Iowa State film. I promise you, Baylor is going to try to mimic some of what they did. And guess what? Charlie Brewer, pretty good quarterback. Pretty good quarterback down in Waco, Texas. All he's done is complete 67% of his passes for 2,300 yards and 16 touchdowns while guiding the Bears to a 9-0 record. But here's the here's what you're going to need to watch. And, and again, we'll, we'll talk more about this Thursday when we do the preview podcast. But here's what you need to watch. Oklahoma is coming off of back-to-back games against teams that are able to be extremely physical up front. I don't think that's Baylor. Now, they're going to try some things, and, and they may find success in those things. But this is, this is a team that's given up 24 quarterback sacks. 24 quarterback sacks in nine games. That's a lot, okay? That, that doesn't tell me that you're able to really dominate and push things around up front. What that means is you're probably going to see a bigger impact from Marquise Overton. You're probably going to see a bigger impact from Neville Gallimore, which means you're going to see the Oklahoma's second layer of defense and the secondary of those defensive backs able to do more things than what we saw out of them against Kansas State and what we saw out of them against Iowa State. And just just watch it for me, okay? We we can argue about it, we can discuss it later, but let's get through this Baylor game and just see. It might make sense. It might suddenly just click. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, against Texas, they dominated up front, and Texas did not have the ability to run the ball. Oklahoma's defense looked a lot better against Texas. Against West Virginia. They dominated up front. But against Kansas State, they didn't dominate, and this defense looked terrible. Against Iowa State, they didn't dominate, and this defense looked a lot like 2018. Now, Baylor's not bad at running the football. They're really not. 
I mean, this is a team that's run for over 1,700 yards almost this season. We got like 23 rushing touchdowns as a team. They're fast. They they find things to do. But Oklahoma might be able to have a little bit more success. That's all I'm saying. When you can win up front, that frees a guy like Kenneth Murray just to wreak havoc. When you can win up front, that that frees a guy like Pat Fields to have more things to do in that defensive secondary. Whether he's coming on a blitz, whether he's dropping into coverage, whether he's supporting the run. It frees up a lot of things that you can do when you can win up front. Now, here's the point. Here's the main point I want to make. What I've tried to do is stay positive because, look, as an Oklahoma fan, you you should be happy right now. Oklahoma did not lose to Iowa State. They won. So they're eight and one on the season. They're a top ten program. I mean, again, I've I've gone over the resume. They're favored to be in Dallas for the Big Twelve Championship. They're in the conversation for the college football playoff. If they win out, this thing's going to be a lot closer than what Oklahoma fans think it is right now. I don't think they're a shoe in, but I definitely don't think they're they're hundred percent out. It's going to be a lot closer than I think the majority of the masses believe it to be. But that said, I think Lincoln Riley's doing his best coaching job. I want to come back to that. I want to to paint the whole picture here for you. Think about what we've talked about on the offensive side of the ball. Quarterback, not on par with Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. One of the, if not the best quarterbacks in the Big 12. One of the better quarterbacks across the country. But he's not Baker Mayfield. He's not Kyler Murray. An offensive line that has struggled to really just dominate up front. Oh, by the way, can we talk about Grant Calcaterra? When we're talking about how this offense is limited, where is Grant Calcaterra? At what point? I'm, I'm serious. I mean, this is a legitimate question because no one's talking about this. At what point with Grant Calcaterra do you start to wonder if we're ever going to see him back? I, I mean, I'm, I'm serious. I, I don't think this is a physical injury that can that he's seeking treatment for. Like a pulled hamstring, like a high ankle sprain, like a separated shoulder, those type of things. I think maybe we're talking about some C, you know, some concussion type stuff, some CTE risk. I mean, have, have we seen the end of Grant Calcaterra? And that's that's another thing. You, I mean, when we're talking about the limitations of Oklahoma's offense, that's a huge limitation right there. But when you talk about the limitations and and the things that he's working with, the tools, and and really, I guess you can say toys as well, that he's had in the past, the Rodney Andersons, the Baker Mayfields, the Kyler Murrays, the Marquise Browns, the Orlando Browns, the Cody Fords, all those things are missing from this offense. You flip the side of the ball, and no one, no one thought that this was going to be a top 10 defense, right? 
and they're not. You see improvement on the defense, but you still see the heavy defensive struggles. Still the same personnel. That's what we've been saying all along. You can change the coaching, but when you get this bad, you also got to change the personnel. And that's a process that's going to come with time. But yet with all of that, with all of that in, in consideration, Oklahoma's still in the exact same position they've been every year under Lincoln Riley. This point of the season, they're 8-1. and one. They're looking at a spot in the Big 12 championship game. They're looking at the potential of being in the college football playoff. They're the favorites to win the Big 12. Even with one loss, they're still the favorites to win the Big 12. You don't believe me? Go, go visit our friends over at MyBookie. So with lesser toys, tools, whatever you want to use, we still 100% have the same result with Oklahoma football. And some people are going to say, well, that's not a good thing, Matt. That's bad because we wanted it to be better. I get it. I want them to be better. I've said many times on this podcast, I'm a fan first. I want them to be better. But the fact that they don't have what they've had in the past and they're still right here in this spot, that tells me that Lincoln Riley is doing a pretty dang good job coaching this team. Pretty good, honestly. So where does that put Oklahoma with the with the pending college football playoff rankings coming. What do you think is going to happen there? And what happened in other parts of the Big 12 on Saturday? We need to get to that as we close out the podcast. All right, before Oklahoma played Iowa State on Saturday night, the Sooners got a lot of help in a lot of ways. First thing that happened was Baylor. Well, Baylor Baylor did what they needed to do. They moved to 9-0 on the season, setting up a potential Big 10 Big Ten, not a Big Ten, top ten matchup with Oklahoma. I don't think it's going to happen. I think there was a chance for it, but I think I just I don't think it's going to happen. I think the Baylor is going to be knocking on the door of the top ten of the college football playoff rankings when they're released on Tuesday. Here's what fans need to prepare yourself for. All right, prepare yourself for this. Alabama is still going to be in the top four. I think there's a, a legitimate chance, a great chance, that Alabama still in the top four of the playoff rankings. I think LSU moves to number one. I think Ohio State drops to number two. Clemson's in this week at number three. And I think in that number four spot, you're still going to have Alabama. And here's the reason why. Georgia, not gonna, not good enough. Oregon, not good enough. Minnesota, which really is going to be your team that has the biggest reason to voice a complaint they're going to jump in the top 10 this week, and then Utah, Penn State, Oklahoma. Right now, no one is going to take Alabama. Or no one's going to take any of those other six schools over Alabama right now. But that's right now. Oklahoma is in good position. Oklahoma is able to get a win at Baylor. 
Go to Waco Saturday night. You do your thing. You've got ESPN College Football Game Day. You've got a lot of eyes on there. Whether you win impressively or whether you just win, you topple Baylor, the only undefeated team left in the Big 12, and suddenly you gain a little bit of traction. Suddenly you look a little bit better than Utah. Suddenly you look a little bit better than Oregon. And you, you begin to make some traction there. And Alabama's going to have to fade because other teams look better, more so than they're, they're going to um, gonna jump in there just because they're Alabama. They're still very much in the conversation, and we need to be prepared for that. But so is Oklahoma. Now, Alabama right now has a better track than Oklahoma, but Alabama's not, as of right now, Alabama's not making the SEC championship game. Now, suddenly, Alabama needs help to get into the SEC championship game. And much like Iowa State in the Big 12, I don't think there's enough football left to be played that's going to get Alabama there. If you're an Oklahoma football fan, you need to become an Auburn Tigers fan. That eliminates Alabama. You need to become a fan of whoever Alabama's playing. And I, and I think, I 100% think, Big 12 champion Oklahoma certainly leaps one lost Georgia. But here's the dream scenario. If, you, if, you're, if you're Oklahoma and you want the college football playoff, here's the dream scenario. In two weeks, Penn State plays Ohio State. Okay? Follow me on this. Penn State plays Ohio State. You want Penn State to win that game. I know, I know, I know. You're going to say, wait a minute. That puts Penn State back in. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Most likely at the time it does. Okay? But I really think what that's going to do, if Penn State beats Ohio State, I think who's going to benefit the most from that is going to be Minnesota. I think if Penn State beats Ohio State in two weeks, Minnesota jumps in in Ohio State spot. I really do. And then what you want in that scenario is you're going to get an Ohio, a Penn State-Minnesota rematch in the Big Ten championship game. And then you just go for all-out chaos right there. At that point, you, you really want Penn State to beat Minnesota because you want as many one-loss teams as you can get. But look, oh, it's it's not it's not doom and gloom for Oklahoma right now. Oklahoma has a couple of marquee matchups left. Got Baylor on the road. That's a game that everyone's going to have their eyes on this week. This is a team that right now is sitting number ten in the AP. They're going to what number eight in the in the coaches poll. They've got a decent resume, but they're going to have a better resume when the season ends. You, you, you win at, in Waco. You win at home against TCU. You go win in Stillwater. And then you're probably, I mean, that's, I mean, the way it's shaping up right now, you're looking at an Oklahoma-Baylor rematch. If Baylor's only two losses this season are to the Oklahoma Sooners after the Big 12 championship game, that's a huge Mark in favor of Oklahoma. So that's what Oklahoma needs to happen. But prepare yourselves. Because I think Alabama is very much still going to be in the top four when the playoff rankings come out on Tuesday. 
On the onset, it looks like Oklahoma's resume may have taken a hit on Saturday also when Kansas State lost at Texas. But the reality is that may not that may not have hurt Oklahoma as much as you might think it would. Remember, we've talked a lot about the perception of Texas, right? Texas just beat the number 16 team in the nation at home. And, you know, they might find themselves in the top 25 of the college football playoff poll just because they're Texas. Not because they've earned it, by the way, but sitting at 6-3, and 4-2 and two in the Big 12. Guess what? Texas is suddenly a player in the Big 12 championship race again. And what that's going to do is that's going to that's going to possibly give Oklahoma another win over a ranked team in the final college football playoff poll. Texas still needs help at four and two in the conference. There's some tiebreakers that have to go into place there for Texas to get in, but they're 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 anything but out right now. But obviously, it would have been better. For Oklahoma, had Kansas State won that game for a couple of reasons. I think Kansas State moves into the top 15 if they win that game. They're 4-2 and two in the conference. They have a little bit more control of their own destiny. But guys, guess what? Texas is lurking right now. Texas needs Oklahoma to lose twice. Or they need Baylor to lose twice. In order to get into the into the Big Twelve Championship game, they're certainly still on the outside looking in. But don't don't think for a second they're not cheering hard for the Baylor Bears. When the reality is, whatever happens in that game, it helps Texas because it puts them a half a game or behind either Oklahoma or Baylor. If if Oklahoma wins, I mean they're they're sitting there right at four and two, where Oklahoma and Baylor would be six and one. But I, I'm assuming Texas would win next weekend. I guess five and two to six and one. But Texas's win didn't really hurt Oklahoma as bad as you might think it would have. Now, again, we wanted Kansas State to win, well, because well, they were playing Texas and they're top fifteen if they win. It's not necessarily murderer's row for the Longhorns for here on out. But they're at Iowa State and they're at Baylor before they finish their season against Texas Tech. So there's still a long way for Texas to fall in this. But even in falling, if they fall to Iowa State, if they fall to Baylor, Oklahoma takes care of business. That's okay. Because if Oklahoma takes care of business, they would have beaten Iowa State and Baylor as well. Teams that own wins over Texas. It's just all about resume building right now. And I don't know that there's a lot that Texas can do to help or hurt Oklahoma. Priority here for the Sooners is 100% absolutely win out. You win out, see where the cards fall. That's pretty much what you're looking at. Hey, thanks so much for being a part of the show. We'd love to hear back from you. If you've got a chance, you can hit us up on Twitter at SportsHeartland on Twitter. You can email us, heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com. We'd love to hear your feedback. Heartland-sports.com is where you can find our online content. We'll have a post specifically for this podcast. If you want to drop some comments, let me know where you agree or disagree. 
Oklahoma 8-1 and on the season. Baylor's coming on the horizon. Big, big game this coming weekend in Norman. We'll be back Thursday to talk about that, break that game down. We didn't even get into basketball, but Sooners with a big win over Minnesota. If you listen to Thursday night's podcast, I told you that would be a fun game. Absolutely was. Big win for the Sooners. Up next is Oregon State. Again, on the road, but it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, you need to check in. Watch this team. They're young. They're energetic. And they're learning. I think they're only going to get better with time. It's going to wrap it up for me. Thanks again for being a part of the show. Boomer Sooner, everybody.